Blue Wire. And he's going to run it and keep it himself. Reed is all by himself. Give him six. Jordan Reed. Second and goal. Johnson. Sprinkle. Touchdown. Reed. He's going to the end zone. Has a man open. Dixon down the middle. Caught. Touchdown. Josh Johnson to the goal line and into the end zone for a Washington touchdown. And welcome back to another episode of the Josh and Jordan podcast. I am your co-host Jordan Reed alongside my terrific and always great and consistent co-host Josh Johnson. Josh, how's everything going, man? Everything going good, bro. Another good another good week, you know. Just doing off the field stuff. Still waiting for opportunity on the field, but life goes on. Got to be ready always be able to pivot. <laughs> That's how it goes, man, especially with a guy in your situation. You never know. A guy might go down tonight, Sunday. Never know. You just got to stay ready. I know you're doing what you need to do to, you know, whenever that call does come. Because we both know it's coming eventually. Things happen in the league, and it happens in the blink of an eye. But for now, I'm glad I got you here as my co-host. You know, I I always try to keep my seat warm just because I know you're eventually probably going to take it over. Like I said, I'm just only the bridge gap quarterback here. you the you're the young superstar and waiting, but you know we got we got a lot of topics to get to tonight, and I'm really excited about this show just because we're gonna do a deep dive into some football related stuff, and we've had some touchy subjects before, but we're gonna get into the schematics of some things. So just for what's on tap for you guys today, we're gonna dive into some NFL offenses. We're gonna talk about spread offenses versus the West Coast. You know, I had some experience in both offenses and I know you've had some experience in both of them as well, but I know you're more of a pro style West Coast type of guy and I'm more of a spread guy. So I'm really interested to see how this debate is going to go. And then we'll finish up uh, with the definition of exactly what a system quarterback is. And then we'll dive into team culture a little bit as well. So you guys are in for a treat today, but I want to start off with this spread offense versus West Coast offense debate. So with me, I've had experience in both. And when I started off early in college, I was in more of a West Coast offense that had a lot of verbiage, you know, nine, 10 word plays where you had to say in the huddle and you had to know protections and check with me's and all this stuff, where the running back is going, where he fits in the protection, calling out mics. And I know you've had plenty of experience with that stuff. And then I got introduced to the spread my last two years where it's more of a, I want to say quarterback easy type of offense. And I say more is more terminology is more reliant on the coaches. I will say you have a lot of half field reads as far as, you know, huddling up. You don't really do that just because it's more of a signal based offense to where everybody really has a signaler on the sideline and you just look at a specific person, whatever that signal is, you relay it to the offensive line. You're not really setting protections in the spread. So I want to get your opinion on this because I know you have experience in both. Which one were you more comfortable with and what really is the difference between spread and West Coast to you? I mean, you got to look at it like it's a generational thing for me. Uh, I've been in both. I myself personally, I like to be challenged. And uh, being in the West Coast offense was more of a challenge. It was more of a challenge to where to me as a as a quarterback, it pushes you mentally and physically where the spread is. It's kind of like, you know, the microwave. It comes with the microwave age, just instant gratification. You don't got to think less. Everybody does everything for you, kind of like our cell phones a little bit. You know what I'm saying? So I, I got my bias towards it. But don't, don't let me not get it wrong. Even though I'm biased, they, you know, they both have been proven effective. 
on a, on a, on a level where the college level and high school level, I mean, you see a lot of championship ball went, being win with both spread as well as, you know, old school pro style offenses. So you can't say that one wins or the other. But for me personally, if I was like an owner or a general manager, I would build my team with more of the pro style because as a quarterback, what I think with the spread does, obviously you, you have to be the thinker. That's why they put us to all these all these mental games and all these everybody wants the quarterback to be the smart guy. But it also it puts your team in the best position to win. The spread to me caters to more to team with full of athletes. Everybody's uh, probably better, superior than the other team across from them. And, uh, you know, you can just line up and do the same thing over and over just because you're better than them. Kind of Pop Warner-ish, you know. But what the pro style does, the details, the reason why the play calls is different, it's in the details. And it, But the details is what gives you, as a player, that might be that that competitive advantage on that particular play, whether it be giving you an angle, whether it may be creating a miss uh, a misdirection, or it's just it's just making the defense think a lot more to where they can't play as fast, and that puts you in a better position, you know, to be successful. I've had my most success in the spread, and as a pro, I've ran the. I mean, I I take that back. I, I said in the spread, in the pro step, my bad. In the spread, though, what it does, though, it's a hell of a changeup, though. Like, if you're hitting the defense with pro style coming straight at them and really, you know, getting downhill, attacking them in a pro style offense and then play action under center, uh, throwing quick game, throwing intermediate routes, just different variations of things they got to think about. And then you come and drop the spread on them. They got to defend that two totally different ways. No the doubt. spread, you know, the, the spread, the D lineman can't get upfield as much. They got to play the quarterback. They got to play the run. You got RPOs. Where the front, the, the linebackers and the D linemen got to play the run, and then secondary got to play pass. So it's not on the same page. So to me, when you have a great balance of two, where you can really spring the spread on them as a changeup, I think could get you your best success. So that's kind of what I would. That was my opinion of it. But I would. I mean, I would really want your opinion of like outside of the verbiage, physically. What didn't you like about the West Coast? Run out there and running the plays on the field outside of the verbiage. I get to play calling this hard. Well, I just thought it was really hard to learn just because in college, we know we only got a limited number of time. It ain't like the league where it's essentially your job. You know, in college, you're still going to class, you're doing all these things and whatever you do, what you do while you're in college. And you don't have a whole bunch of time to sit down and learn all that stuff. And I think like with the spread, you have a whole bunch of mirrored concepts to where you have a lot of half field reads it's telling not essentially everybody what to do, but it really dumbs down a lot of things for you. And I think it, it's a bit simplified as a pro, as opposed to the West Coast where you, <laughs> you put your finger up. So I know you got something to say. But with the West Coast, it's just so much that goes into it. And you have to worry about seven protections. You have to worry about one, two, three, four progressions. And then where the back is going to fit in, as opposed to with the spread, it's telling everybody where to go but with less words. So with the spread, you maybe have, let's just say, for example, flood. Like flood is just one word. Let's just say it's Buccaneers. But in the West Coast, you have, let's say, X go, Y out, A drag or something like that. So there's just a lot more words that go into it. I'm sure you know what I mean by that. And then you also have to call the protection and which way the protection is as well. So just the verbiage, that's really the big difference to me, and I just thought the spread is much more simpler, and I think it's easier for quarterbacks to translate right away as opposed to West Coast. 
Okay. All right. So let's just focus on the example that you just used then. Mm-hmm. You feel me? I, I agree with that. But, I mean, you can also look at it and say, well, it makes a quarterback call out more. But it's also, now that you just said flood, it makes your receivers learn more, though. By me yeah. telling tight end, Y out, Z, zebra flat, X go, you feel me? They don't got to think as much. They can play faster. Who you yep. really want them to play fast because they your, they your targets. No doubt. So there is a there is a give or take with that. But one thing I, I will say, it doesn't give you a lot of variety, though. So, like, what if you wanted to put a counter motion on there, a shift to this, to that? You don't get none of that element because how do you get all that communicated? You get what I'm saying? Yep. And and once, once you get into the pros, they know what's going on. Like, for me, the number one thing in the spread, if I was a defensive coordinator, that baffles me. It's easy as hell to know where the run going. Yeah. Away from the back. The back on one side, 90% of the run is the back no on the, the other side. <laughs> You're right. You know, when you're in a dot, when you're in a dot, the dot, I mean, that's why they use a pistol, but, you know, it's still different. But when you're in a dot, all that, all that puts, it got, the defense has to worry about more. He can run right, he can run left, he can run power, he can run stretch, he can run toss. I got every run at 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 my at my expense versus right here and standing next to me. You you got you got a very limited run game, and so uh, and then even though it's with the passing, like the play action, it just happens a lot more. You can't get a good ride. Everything is just totally different. I I, I am a big fan of RPOs though because. No knock on the lineman. You know, as a quarterback, that's the hardest thing in play action is to get the lineman to have a low hat. But with the RPOs, it's a real run. You get the best low hat ever. I'm surprised it's not more run alignment, illegal lineman called downfield, but they yeah. ain't picked up on that yet. The run action is tremendous with the RPO game. So I do really feel that a lot. But I just think you limit yourself within the spread. Like, don't get me wrong, you get to play well. Oh, pause. Hold on, my bad, bro. Dwayne Haskins in. Yes, but, he is. Uh, I was just about to say that. I didn't want to cut you <laughs> off. <laughs> I didn't want to cut you off. Dude, but, so, uh, but like, breaking news oh, on the pod. Dwayne Haskins is Yeah, it is. That's the great pod. thing about it. He just got a completion, too. Yeah, he did. They're going, they're going from under <laughs> But I think, I, like, to me as a play caller, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to handicap myself, for one. But it's kind of like any career field, though, bro. Music, anything, you have to grow. So to me, the spread doesn't, it doesn't allow growth. It doesn't really allow growth. Like as a music artist, if you come in and you making elementary songs for little kids who dance in your, like your first five, you might, you know, you're going to get hella hits. But as you get older, you get in your late thirties and forties, you got to be able to diversify your music now. So that's pretty much as I look at it, as how I relate that to football is now I'm, I'm becoming a craftsman. I'm getting better within my craft. And I'm and I'm improving my craft, and so to me, you're gonna always, as a football player, get back to that point with the pro with the pro style is gonna give you anyway. It's gonna make you a play above the X's and O's. It's gonna make you mentally bring it to the uh, to the field. The spread doesn't allow you to do that, so I want to get that early, bro. That's which I did, which I feel blessed with. I got it early coming from Oakland Tech when I got with Coach Harbaugh. I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> but I had to break it down to a science for myself. And when I did, it, you know, it was patterns and everything. The game slowed down for me a lot. And then you see 70% completions, you see 43 touchdowns, one interception. And this all our pro style offense never ran a zone read in my life until I got to the league. Didn't even never throw a shotgun quick game pass until I got to the league. So I just think the long-term value of the spread is what hinders the players 
But if I'm a rookie, throw me in that spread. Let me get my issue. Let me get my notoriety up so I can, you know, solidify myself. And then once I solidify myself, put me in this pro style as I continue to grow so I can be able to become a complete player. I mean, I just that's kind of how I see it right now. No doubt. I'm with you. I agree that the spread is a, it's a stat pad type of offense, and that's what we're seeing a lot with some of these recent quarterbacks that have been drafted. And the list goes on and on. Kyler Murray, uh, some other Justin Herbert is going to be one that's that that's a bit of a stat pattern this year. And I don't want to take any credit away from them, but it's kind of fool's gold in the spread offense just because they're going to have to learn some type of under center type of concepts unless Kyler Murray, he was in a very fortunate situation where he came in with Cliff Kingsbury being in that air raid offense, but everybody doesn't get those type of gift wraps, I would say, to be paired with that coach in the exact offense that they played in in college. They're eventually going to have to learn some other concepts, especially some West Coast terminology. And Deshaun Watson is a great example of a guy that really had to make that type of adjustment, but now he's fully made it. And Bill O'Brien has really built his offense around him, but early on, it was a bit rough for him, and he had to adjust, even though the, t- the offense at Clemson was tailor-made to him. And I don't know if you know, but what they did for Deshaun Watson at Clemson is that they sat down with his high school coach and they ran the exact offense that he ran in high school. And NFL coaches aren't going to make <laughs> NFL coaches aren't going to make those accommodations for him, even though they even though they invest the first round pick in him, they're going to find out what he do what he does well, what he doesn't do well, and they're going to revolve their offense around that. And Bill O'Brien has done a really good job of that. And now we're seeing the repercussions or the, I should say the fruition is from that. You got something else to add to that? Well, I actually got to go down there the year he came in the league and I studied the tape because they sliced Seattle up like I've never seen a team do until his mm-hmm. rookie year. And I was curious. But uh, I think they did a great job. They took some of his Clemson stuff for sure because they, yeah, they no did doubt. some stuff when he first got there. I've never seen the league before. Yeah, But they bridged it though. They did a great job of bridging the two because that was my first time in that Patriot-style system, mm-hmm. which I think kind of will help cater to more of the spread quarterback earlier because of all the option routes and different things that they do where you can really uh, – it's just, it's, just, it's just different terminology. It's a way that they go about it that's different than every other offense. But just the, the, the spread concepts that they have, I think it plays into that favor. But they did a great job of, of bridging that with Billy O. When, he, when I went down there and I saw that, they kind of took – what they what they normally do, and they put it with Deshaun, and you saw a real a real magical thing. But even now, you see him getting under center more. You see him you see him doing more pro style quarterbacks. And I just think that's just it's the NFL game, bro. Yeah. Like you have to protect your linemen, and being under center defense is different variety of looks. Protect your linemen because those D linemen can't tee off, bro. The best athlete on the field is the defensive lineman. Two hundred and nine pounds running four 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 five forties freakish athletes you gotta make them boys stink and the pro style does that it gives you that advantage so um but the spread is taking over and probably 10 years from now everybody's probably gonna be in shotgun no that's how the wishbone then got took out of football right. which i was running when i was a youngster i guess it's evolution man i mean i'm good though over here i could play in any offense but i'm still a pro style fan i just think it, it grows you as a player the way you want to grow it challenges you it grows you and I think as a as an athlete, if you want to be an athlete, I think that's what we all shooting for, growth, as well as achievement. No doubt. It's a really good topic, and I'm sure we'll probably come back to that some other time. But I have some other topics that we still have to get to. And the next one I want to get to you with is 
this definition of a system quarterback. And I kind of have a different belief about this just because I think every quarterback is a system quarterback. And I think it's kind of a wrong stereotype labeled to guys that go into a certain offense and are able to stat pad. I keep using that just because I think that's a very common term used. And I don't like using the example Tom Brady, but Tom Brady is the example of a guy that definitely is a system quarterback just because he's mastered the exact things that Josh McDaniels want him wants him to do. And another on the opposite end of the spectrum, Lamar Jackson is another guy that's an example of a system type of quarterback. Now, it's a very different type of system just because he's in that spread like system where they're running a lot of different variations of power and counter type of situation or type of running game. And then they're running play action off of that. But I think every quarterback has a certain system that they have to be in. So maybe I'm using that term wrong, but. I think the wrong terms are used when we're talking about a system quarterback to where guys have to be in a certain system in order to thrive. And I just think every quarterback has to do that in order to succeed. Now, for whatever reason, a system quarterback on social media and in football terms is labeled as a guy that has to be in a certain situation. That's the only way they are going to succeed. And I think that's fully true. But you have some other guys that can be in any system like a Patrick Mahomes or anybody like that, and they can thrive no matter what. So I want to get your example of a system quarterback and your definition of that. Yeah, bro, it's just skill set. It's just skill set. Like some guys affect the game within their skill set certain ways. They to do it at a high level doing it one way. And then, uh, and then you got some guys that no matter what type of way that you need to get a play done, you might have a guy that's just a horrible go ball thrower, and, you know, he's, and he's very efficient underneath. And, and, and but he but he can be so efficient underneath. So like to me, I just think it's all based on skill set. They've kind of taken the term a politically correct way to me to tell a guy I think you weak without being able to say it honestly. They want to say oh you weak, but most of the people which you try can't play quarterback themselves. So you just take right. it what it is. But for me, I just think it's big on skill set, bro. Like. If a guy's skill set allows him to a 12-yard out, no hitch on time, completed from no, whatever hash, like and a guy that can thin plays, you can do boots with him. Like, that's a guy that can probably play any system. Now, if you have a guy that uh, he, he can't move well, he does, doesn't move well, he's great in between the, the hashes. and I mean, not in between the hashes in high school level, but in between the numbers and the hashes and, and the pro level, and he because he always makes the right decision. I mean, it's just, now it's just, do your system do that? And if your system does that and he allows you to, to win games, then you're going to stick with that. System quarterback or not, but at the end of the day, if you're winning games, you ain't going to say too much. I just think it's big on, I just think it's skill set, bro. It's just, system quarterback is straight skill set. I don't use it. I just, either he can play or he can't play. <laughs> he need people around him or he right. don't. It's <laughs> right. pretty simple. I'm right there with you. And, and we all need was, people around them. I'm talking about no doubt. you got some guys that don't need pro bowlers around them to be successful. And that's right. real. You got some guys are, who need pro bowlers around them. And they're paid exactly like it. If they don't need those pro bowlers around them, you have those rare types of dudes that can uplift right. their supporting cast as opposed to it being the opposite of way around. So really interesting discussion. And I'm glad I got your definition of that because I thought I may have been seeing it wrong or something like that with my definition of a system quarterback. So I'm really, you really were saying what I was trying to say and that some people wrongly use the term and describe it for guys that can't necessarily play the position the way it's supposed to be played or they're weak in a sense, exactly like you said. So 
really good discussion. But last topic of the day that I want to get to, and we talked about this in our very first episode, but unfortunately we didn't get to record it and it was a little bit shaky as far as both of our Wi-Fi's on both of our ends. So we had a really good discussion about team culture and if it is a real thing. So I want to go back over this discussion just because you see teams like the Patriots and the Seahawks are two great examples of teams that no matter who enters their roster, they just seem to play a certain way. And a lot of people like to call it a militaristic type of style. But whenever you go to those teams, there's just a certain type of belief that you get about yourself and about the team just because of legacy and what they have done in years past. So team culture, is is it just a fictional thing or is it something that you really believe in that is true? When I look back on it, bro, I won, I won a player at pretty much every level but the pros, and I've been on some, a couple of successful teams. But even as a coach, uh, because I've grown to re- to respect the coaching side of the team thing, but when I look back on it, I'm going to start with the player first. Where have you ever, where like as players, I've never, all the way dating back to Pop Warner, I've never been on a team where we won a champion, I wasn't on the same page. I never, right. I never did. And I can say it's because of winning and this, that, and the third, but like when we, like, Everybody was excited about doing their job the way that it was coached. You know, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a cycle. Coaches give out information. If we have a problem with something, we find a common ground, and then we go out there and we go execute. The teams that don't, that that lose, don't have that. It's I don't want to do this. It's individualized. It's I don't like the coaches. He's stupid. That's a dumb play call. It's just all these numerous of things. But I think they start affecting your mind. And the mind is the thing, I think, where the culture plays a big role because when you believe into the in that culture, you're, you're going you're gonna to run through that wall for that culture. And, and that, that that just be for that. In, in sports, it's for this team. So I think team culture is everything because the one time where I, I'm not going to really talk about when, it was younger. It, might, it wasn't even in my pro career. It was one time I didn't believe in the culture. Got exposed to a different situation, wasn't fully bought in. We had some success, but when it really mattered, most in the most important game of our season when when it was time to pull out the things that you, I needed to pull out for us to go be successful and I think for us as a whole I, I put in so much on myself as a leader because I was spreading that bad vibe because I wasn't fully bought in but mm-hmm. I think it hit the wall on us in that big game because we couldn't the, the times when we normally would dig deep we didn't dig deep because we didn't believe in everything that we was that that was going on and I made a, I made a vow to myself to always figure it out how to buy it. But I think that's where it's got me at to this point today, which I want to talk about on the coaches' side. Like, as players, I think where we run into the problem is it's okay that you know the, the game and you know the game, you know how to play the game, but it's going to always be a coach as of right now, the way it's set up. He's going he gonna to want to call the plays. So I think for me, it's about how do y'all get on the same page to understand what he wants, whether you agree with it or not. And then, and then that's why you, and you use practice as that element to go out and say, all right, coach, I did it your way, trying to get the culture right, but it didn't work. So we either need to change something or we got we to gotta come to a common ground as a team so we all can be on the same page. Because when the culture really going to kick in is when it comes to take your team from being an average team to a great team. So I no think doubt. team culture is hella important. It's hella important for the coaches. Y'all don't y'all don't have the ability to go out there and go play. Y'all gotta trust that the player gonna go out there and execute what he just said. So it's like if my parent told me <laughs> to she she installed her morals when I leave out this house, now I'm outside, she wants those morals to be, you know, entrenched and, and be there in the back of my mind. The same thing as a player. If you wanna be successful, I think team culture is hella important 
And it's our job as players to buy in. And when we, but I'm not saying buy in the stuff you don't believe. If you don't believe in it, go go attack the problem right now. Dress right. it with your coach, whoever it may need be, before y'all get in a situation when a player get, oh, I had a bad first quarter, so now I'm finna blow up on the sideline because I never really believed in it anyway. That negative energy just spread amongst that whole sideline. And you need all hands on deck in football, bro. It's the ultimate team sport where everybody plays a role. And you don't want that person to get to affect your whole team because it's, it's hella possible. No doubt. And the beautiful thing about football, and this is something I always tell, even when I was playing and as a coach, like every other sport you think about has multiple games a week, whether it's basketball, baseball, any other sport, even soccer. But the thing about football, you only get one chance to get this joint right a week. And that's one day. That's the beautiful thing about football. And the great thing about offense as opposed to defense is that defense, one person can make a play and save the day. Offense, one person can mess up and it creates confusion and messes up the entire operation. That's why offense is so unique to me and why I think it's so much better than defense, even though the phrase is defense wins championships and offense sells tickets. I think offensive chemistry is so much more important than defense just because of the, the reason I just stated. One person can be a dog on defense and save the entire operation, but offense, you have one person messes up, it messes up the entire operation. So that's just my belief. But team culture, I'm right there with you. It's just it's an indescribable type of thing, and experience is the greatest teacher with team culture just because that's the one thing that does establish it. It's not something that you grow to learn or get overnight, and I think over time, like we've seen with New England, it took them a whole bunch of years to establish that type of culture that they have, and it started back in 2001, I believe it was, when they played the Los Angeles or the then St. Louis Rams in the Super Bowl when the entire Tom Brady thing started when he took over for Drew Bledsoe, and then that's where it's all she wrote after that, and that's where their culture really was established. But then they had these great veterans like Willie McGinnis and, you know, Teddy Bruschi and Ty Law, Rodney Harris, and all these guys that helped establish that culture, and they really passed it down to these young bucks just because those puppies are going to grow up to be dogs one day. And now we're seeing some of the, those puppies back then, Tom Brady was one of them, to grow up and eventually be these full-grown men now, and that's how you pass down that culture, and it ends up being over the long haul and longevity. So team culture is very important, and I think culture does win you games from time to time just because you're learning to battle through adversity. And it's not just battling through adversity. You're learning these experiences, and you're doing it with these people that you grew up with in a sense just because the one thing about the Patriots is that they have longevity and they have cohesion. There's been people that's been playing with the Patriots forever, and it's not just Tom Brady. Matthew Slater is a very underrated player who a lot of people don't really know about, but he's a guy that's definitely established culture within that organization. And, I mean, they love him. Bill Belichick doesn't talk about him a lot, but we know the type of standard that he does bring. And it's it's the little stuff, like the special teams aspect of games. A lot of fans don't really pay attention to that. But he's made a career strictly off special teams, and he's labeled as a receiver. But I don't even know if he's caught a pass in his career. <laughs> I have no idea if he's caught a pass or not. But he's made Pro Bowls year after year just off being a special teams dude. And he's been in the league 10-plus years now. So those guys like that are the ones you want to help establish your culture. But it's a really good debate, and I really enjoyed our topics today, man. I really This probably That's was my they, favorite show. That's why they say football is family, though, bro. Yeah, no doubt. It's, it's a fraternity. Family. It's a fraternity. Like, and you buy into that, to that, to that notion 
I mean, if you're talking about culture, but a lot of these things, like, you really have to help people learn a leader who can really emphasize these things because the way the, 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 the white noise or the glitz and glamour, the way they focus on the quarterback position and they just give us, it's like everything is, is make or break within us. And, and that may be true, but it's only make or break within when all the other 10 guys around you are doing their job to their best ability. That's when you really see the value of your quarterback. And, you know, when a guy messes up your quarterback and gets you out of trouble. But you need there to support one another, brother, to really be have each other's back and to really believe. Because, like, when you don't believe in this football, brother, you ain't going to go as fast as you need to when they, the team needs you to. You ain't going to be as detailed in your approach. And you're going to think, oh, ain't nobody paying attention, especially the young athletes. The eye in the sky will never lie. You are what you are on tape. So don't ever forget that. No doubt. And it's, it's a really interesting discussion, but that is our time for today. A very great discussion. And of course, we're always going to bring some great topics to you guys. But as always, thanks for listening. I am Jordan Reed. He is Josh Johnson. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Tell a friend to tell a friend to subscribe to the podcast. We are on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, every single iTunes or I should podcast platform of your choosing that you so choose to listen to. We are on it. And once again, we want to thank you guys for listening. Make sure to leave a five-star review, and we will be back next week. Thank you, guys.